You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, within and without. Welcome. Um, thank you for taking the time to have this chat today. I know we were uh, on another podcast uh, was about a year ago or so. Um, it's really nice to speak to you again and catch up. Uh, for anyone that's not up to speed on, on who you are, what you're involved in on, on a daily basis, would you mind just briefly introducing yourself and, and getting them caught up? Yeah, sure, Adam. So I'm a traditional shaman or traditional Sangoma from South Africa. And uh, Sangomas are known as uh, African shamans. So what I do is I work with wilderness, helping people connect with their own inner wilderness and also helping people to connect with the outer wilderness, with nature, with their ancestors, with their blood and bones, with their dreams, but also with the animal and plant worlds. Now, the animal and plant world, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I know some people have... Um, I've listened to uh, audiobooks and read some books and, and messaged me about that type of stuff. Uh, even to tie in with, um, if you're familiar with the book, The Kabbalion, how it talks about uh, the plant mind and animal mind, and then uh, these being sort of realms that you can exist in or, or uh, tap into in a way. So do you mind elaborating on that? And, and does it relate to, you know, that, that book, um, the Kabbalion and then the plant mind, animal mind? I'm not really sure about that, about that book. Um, but what I could say is that the focus of my work is helping people to connect with their own humanity, with their own spirit. And then as we connect with our own spirit, then we're able to connect with, with it's like interspecies, we're able to connect with the plant and animal worlds. So when we are connected with our egos or connected with our wants and desires, then we are all separate. We are all different. And this leads to narcissism and consumerism and the destruction of the wilderness. But when we are connecting with our hearts and with our spirits and with our dreams, then we are starting to connect with the animal and plant world where there is no ego and there's no agenda and there's no, there's no um, overt consumerism. So the basic default for a human being is the custodian of this world. So our job as human beings is to help this world. And at the moment in the world, we're not doing that. So we need to change our ways. And part of that is to connect more with the heart center, connect more with our spirits. And we use the old traditional shamanic ways to, to do this, which has been with all of us for, for centuries. And with the advent of technology, a lot of people are forgetting how to connect with their spirit, how to connect with their hearts. So this is what I'm teaching. Mm. Now, the methods you use, um, would you briefly just touch on those? Like what's involved? I assume, you know, being out in nature and, and grounding in that way, but do you use any other tools or modalities to help uh, bringing someone into that, that resonance? One of the, the strongest is chanting. And we call them in South Africa ngomas or chants, African chants. So I teach very simple chants and rhythms to help people come into their spirit. And I teach a heartbeat meditation to connect people with their, their heart pulse. And then we work with plant medicine in South Africa, but not hallucinogenic. So simple plant medicines to cleanse the body, to cleanse the aura, to bring people into the natural world. So, so that's what I do. And I also do a lot of dancing, rhythmic, rhythmical dancing, trance dancing. 
And we start off a conversation with me talking to you about my trip to the Kalahari Desert this year, where I did two, where I did three retreats in the Kalahari, and that was guiding people into the bushveld to track the animal, the animal world, in particular tracking um, leopard and tracking the big cats and the lion and things like that on foot, listening to your senses, listening to our intuition. Hmm. And I, I want to sort of dial back a bit to you mentioned the heart. Um, is that a big uh, part of what you what you focus on is, is the heart and the heartbeat and the rhythm of the heart uh, in your practice? Yes, because one of the the essence of the trance dance in South Africa amongst amongst Sangomas is when we're doing the trance dance, it's normally one or two drums. And it's not the same as a djembe from West Africa. In South Africa, we have a large drum that you hit from both sides. And it has a basically a, a four-beat or a heartbeat rhythm. So I noticed when I went through my, my apprenticeship, which lasted 10 years, I noticed that a lot of things started happening to me. A lot of changes started happening. And one of the things was becoming very psychic in terms of connecting with my community. And one of the reasons for that is because as we are doing the trance dance and this drum is going, all our heartbeats synchronize because the drum beat is so strong and we are all dancing, putting our feet into the ground with the same kind of rhythm. And over time, all our hearts would synchronize. And this is how we dream about each other. And in traditional South Africa, going back into the 1970s and 1960s, there was a phenomenon what they talked about, the bush telegraph where traditional people before the advent of cell phones were able to intuit what is happening with family members just through dreams and through intuition. And one of the reasons is, is because of this, this deep connection with the heart pulse. And so as we're dancing and we're doing ceremony, we all come into this, this, this rhythm, this pulse together because of the strength of the beats, the strength of that heart pulse. So, and that heart pulse is coming through with that bass rhythm from the drum beat. So when I'm doing ceremonies, live ceremonies, I get people to stand and to dance, but just in a simple way, putting their feet into the ground. And as people put their feet into the ground, they become earthed. And a lot of the Sangoma world, we speak about electricity and we speak about connecting with electricity of the world. And if we look at human beings nowadays, they are very unstable. And it's literally because people are not being earthed enough. So if you look at an electrical system in any building, there's always three points. There's the, there's the, the live wire, the neutral, and the earth. And if a building is not earthed properly, the whole electrical system becomes unstable. And this is the same thing with a human being. As we become earthed through our feet, then we become more stable and we come into our own heart pulse more and we come into our intuition and then our job as a custodian of the, of the, of the planet, it just naturally comes into us. Mm -hmm. And why do you feel that people are so disconnected from their heart specifically? Uh, I find people don't even really consider the magnitude or the power of their heart in, in, it's magnetic energy as a whole and what it can achieve and how it can communicate. It's, it's uh, to say heart mind is, um, it's fairly accurate. Uh, you can even sort of connect within that as well. But um, why do you think people overlook this and, and kind of, uh, I don't know if it's just a, it's this aspect of their, of their physiology and its power. But what do you think really 
take them away from that understanding of, of the power of their heart. I think the simple answer, Adam, is that people are too busy nowadays and the speed of the modern world is such that people, they, they don't give themselves time to just stop, have a breath and feel and listen to their own heart pulse. And in a way, this is what we have to do. So when we're going into the natural world, we have to slow down in order to feel the plants and animal worlds. And in order to listen to the sounds of the birds, we have to slow down. And if we don't do that, then we can't really connect with the, with the plants and animal worlds. So I, I find that the first thing for people is to help people to slow down. So we all, we, we're slowing down in order to speed up spiritually. So when we're going very fast in terms of our mind, going on technology and being on our iPhones and rushing around and, and using our intellect, when we're going in this pace, it's quite hard for people to then connect with their heart pulse. However, what we need to do as human beings is become more multidimensional. So we work in a day job like you and me working on the computer. And then when that's over, giving ourselves time just to watch the birds, go for a walk, feel our heart pulse, turn off our phones. So we are pushed into a situation nowadays where we have to compartmentalize and also become more multidimensional with our operation in the world, with our movement in the world. And this is calling all of us to, to slow down when it's time to do nature work, when it's time to connect with ourselves. We have to learn how to go down a few gears in order to connect more deeply with the ground beneath our feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And, and for me, I've, what you were saying resonates with me because uh, I'm so immersed in, in technology and, you know, my, my main workstation for for when I work like my desk is literally like a mounted monitor a large mountain monitor two side monitors a laptop and I have like three phones next to me so it's literally like screens all over the place when I'm working um I, I've been doing like doing that for so many years now it's like second nature to me but I find that what really grounds me is going out in nature when I go for nature walks every single weekend I go out for nature walks and nature hikes with my dogs uh, you know, I, I wake up early and, and we go do that. I was actually listening to an audiobook book uh, recently, um, LSD in the Mind of the Universe. And uh, it's about this professor who takes on a bunch of LSD experiences. Uh, he describes nature as oneness expressing as diversity without falling into the trap of diversity. So without falling into the intricacies of what you would experience as, as an ego in a way. So you mm -hmm. go out in nature, it's all oneness, it's all connected and it's all diversified, seemingly diversified, but it is all connected and, and it operates in this diversified way without falling trap or victim to that or, or having that attachment to it. So um, I find that nature is, is an amazing way to, to ground, especially what you're saying, get your, get your feet really deep in the ground, use those uh, the ne the negative ions from the earth that, um, that help charge you up, like you were saying, uh, and really just respecting that electrical signal or the electrical signals within your body, um, and, and stop. And people could stop seeing themselves as these like mechanistic, like technological, mm. you know, robots walking around. They're they're more organic and, and much more connected to things. Um, another story, yeah. and uh, one more thing. Sorry, I started yeah. using float tanks recently. Um, at the same what? reason, I started using float tanks. Um, as I, I would just be so immersed in technology, but recently I go every week I go and I, I in a float tank, the sensory deprivation chamber. 
if I'm putting in the Epsom salt, um, the darkness, total darkness. And one experience I had recently was the feeling of uh, my heart, a deep sense of my heart and the beat of the heart. And it felt like it was rippling in this tank in the water. Uh, and the energy of it was just like very palpable. It was overwhelming. Um, but when you were talking about the heart, it made me think about, you know, I think it's, it's this amazing thing that everyone has everyone ignores for some reason yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's very simple i mean this heart pulse <clears throat> if you want to track animals whether it's in the water or on land the first rule of tracking is to feel your own heart pulse and then see if you can sense the pulse of the living animals around you within a radius around mm. you can you sense their pulse and uh, I remember once a few years ago, I was in a game reserve in South Africa and I was doing some work there and uh, I went with a local game ranger and we, he didn't have a rifle and we were looking at, uh, we want to go and see lion, you know, so we want to go on foot to see the lion. And it was the middle of the day, so he said we'd be okay because the lions would be sleeping underneath the trees. So we went on foot and he, we were talking away and we were having a nice conversation and I just said to him, shh, you need to be quiet for a moment because they said there's a large buck, there's an antelope behind that bush over there, like a kudu or elant, you know, quite a large antelope. And he was like, no, I don't think so, John. I can't see the tracks on the ground. And I just said, okay, we'll just be quiet for a moment. And then suddenly the whole bush shook and this large kudu went flying over. And he was like, how did you do that? It's amazing. And then we carried on walking for a while. And again, I said to him, there's, a, there's another large um, I wasn't sure if it was a kudu or an eland or maybe a chemsbok. And I felt it was there. And he said again, he didn't see the tracks in the sand because it, it had just been raining. And he said, no, he didn't feel there was an animal there. <laughs> Eventually, the whole bush shook. And again, this large antelope went jumping ahead of us. And, and he said to me, how did you do that? And I said, well, I just sensed its heartbeat. I sensed its pulse. So this is the first, the first tracking is to sense our own pulse. And then when we're in the dream time, we are feeling our own consciousness. And shamans and mystics of old would maintain that what's happening in our dreams at night and what's happening in our day-to-day -day conscious experience is similar. So as we're coming into our own heart pulse and coming into our own spirit, we're merging the consciousness at night the dream time with the consciousness during the day. And this helps us to find our purpose. As the Buddha said, the journey of this human walk is for us to find our purpose, to find our calling. And as we come into our spirit, then we do find our calling. So technology is not wrong. You know, I love technology. However, because there's so much electricity with technology we have to ground ourselves we have to we have to work with technology not let technology work us we have to be the masters of it which means knowing when to turn off the screens and turn off the computer and actually see it as a beautiful tool that's very creative and then going off into the wilderness and enjoying our human talents of sensitivity of connectivity of looking at the plant and animal worlds, not through a screen, but with our eyes, with our senses, with our smells, with our, with our feet and our hands. 
and and then as we do that we actually become more intelligent because there's only a certain amount of intelligence that we can take in from the shoulders up but there's another kind of intelligence where we are connected to our heart and our intuition and our psychic ability which kind of opens the door to all the different worlds mm -hmm. yeah, and i would say yeah lots of people are, are not uh, very connected with all that energy right now uh, especially with everything going on and everyone sort of sheltered in their homes and and really cold to go on you know computers and devices more so um, I find that a lot of people are, are probably having a lot of trouble with that and and sort of looking for almost looking for an outlet I suppose uh, energetic outlet. I, I'm, I've, I just find a lot of people don't really um, like Zoom has become so popular now and everyone's having these sort of Zoom calls and Zoom conversations, uh, you know, for work or just for, for personal reasons to talk to family. I feel like there's that lack of connection with, with another human. And then there's a sort of the lack of connection with nature. Although granted, I think the fact that everything's closed, people that might be going out on more hikes and whatnot. So, I mean, that's pretty good. But how has this whole, uh, you know, situation been for you? And, and what are your observations of, of how it's all transpired? Uh, it's been very stressful for a lot of people. It's also been stressful for me. However, I've also seen the positive side of this. And the positive side is that there's been less plane traffic, car traffic, and, and less pollution. And also an opportunity really for nature to, to take a breath, take a sigh. And it's nice to see the birds and certain areas, there's been a proliferation of birds where there hasn't been for some time because city centers have been so busy with traffic like in New York and other places. And now the animals are coming in a bit closer because there isn't so much traffic and there's not so much plane traffic. I think that was the first thing I noticed with the coronavirus when all the airports stopped and all the planes stopped traveling. Um, and there's been reports around this around the world. I mean, I remember in India, there was, uh, where was it in India where they could actually see the, the city for the first time in about 20 or 30 years because yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. of the cessation of, of traffic. And uh, do you know what, what town there was in India? I don't know what town, but I remember hearing about it. I, I think the same thing happened uh, in certain parts of uh, China as well. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, is horrendous in some of these places. And, um, yeah, I can imagine if you kind of eased off a little bit, you know, it would start to clear up. So it's almost like Earth really starting to heal herself. And I mean, I heard stories in Montreal, for example, um, where a lot of buildings where there were office workers and the office workers happen to be at home now. So they have an opportunity of actually giving these buildings over to to people who who need uh, who need accommodation or need. So basically changing it from a business setting to more of a, um, a residence, normal residence for people. So a lot of office buildings are being changed over now because a lot of people are working from home. So it's actually saving pollution and it's saving, it's saving a lot of transport in terms of going to work and, and using petrol and using carbon fuels, but staying at home rather and going online. So it's using, it's an opportunity of using technology in a more positive and more productive way and then saving the environment. I mean, there's been many stories around this. So I hopefully it's going to change the way we work in the future now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I hope so too. I mean, I've, I've been thinking things would go in this direction for some time now. 
um, you know, good, at least five years, I figured, well, I, I still thought we were a little behind and why we hadn't started moving to be more digital because it doesn't, it didn't make sense to see people commuting into work. I mean, I have friends that they, they travel into the city. It was like two hours in, two hours home. It's like, that's a four hour commute for your, for your work day where you're, you're sitting at a desk and it's like, was so damaging for people. So, I mean, this has been present in that sense where it's really shaken up, um, you know, the way that people were doing things, which are a little bit antiquated, I would say, and now allowing people to really adopt these new technologies and, and really utilize them um, is just about that balance, like you were saying, because, uh, you know, you can really get really immersed in, in the tech uh, and then lose connection with your heart, lose connection with yourself, with nature. Um, how do you find that you use technology to connect with your community and, and your sort of tribe, your spiritual tribe in a way, and then help them grow? Do you, do you use like Instagram lives or uh, YouTube lives or anything to, to reach out to them? I will have, I do the social media, um, but I don't do that much of it. I'd like to do a bit more if I can, but it, in terms of just the basics of connection and that would be through zoom. So I do a lot of one-to-one -one sessions, and I find Zoom really helpful for that. And then I do a, a monthly ceremony um, via webinar, and that's also via Zoom. So once a month, people will connect with me from around the world. And people can do that via my website, via the monthly webinars. And I find it actually very, very powerful. And I think what amazed me with these online ceremonies is how effective they are in terms of the process I go through with my spirits and with my dreams. It's as if it was a live ceremony, as if people were literally with me. And I, I realized one of the reasons for that is that in many ways it is actually a live ceremony because people are there in real time with you. They're just not there with, with, with me physically where I could touch them. And it's, it's, it's really taught me a lot. It's taught me that, you know, even in this moment with you and me, Adam, I can't, you know, give you a hug or shake your hand, but this is real time. And this experience that you and I are having is actually real because we're looking at each other, we're feeling each other. I'm connecting to your spirit in this moment. So this is not, um, this is not, uh, uh, it might feel surreal, but it's, it's a real experience that we have and we just can't, touch each other. So it, it taught me a lot that the online world in terms of real time online is actually really, really powerful. And we can do a lot of work with one another. So mm -hmm. I've actually started doing my divination sessions where I throw the bones traditionally. I've started doing that on Zoom in real time. And, um, and I found it just as effective as if I'm doing it face to face with people where they're sitting next to me. And um, so that's taught me a lot. It's quite amazing, really, you know? Yeah, it really does come down to someone's attention. It's like we're having this conversation. We both have each other's attention. And so when you have these these community lives, you have those people's attention. I mean, physical connection isn't there. Um, the attention is still there, which is very important. Uh, yeah, I think you made a very good thing. point there, Adam. Yeah, very good point. I think it's about attention. So naturally, when I'm talking to someone in Zoom, like when I'm talking to you right now, I, I don't have my phone on. I don't look at emails. You know, I know some people multitask, but I don't do that. I'm just focusing as if you and I are having a cup of coffee together and I'll be with you. You know, so I've, I've had to say to people, you know, when we're doing Zoom calls, please don't have phones on or check emails. Just be present with me because that's what I'm doing with all of you, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. just like a natural thing. But it's amazing how people do multitask when they are on the screen. 
and it's about just um you know just being present as if you're having a conversation with someone in real time in front of you and then uh, yeah i find it very effective mm -hmm. i know it's definitely true and that's why i like having these calls too because i mean right now it's you know sort of middle of the afternoon i mm -hmm. sort of stepped away from work where it's a bit chaotic and everything's happening with information everything but you know we can we can sit down we can have this chat and i, I step away from all those devices step away from all those you know things and just get into the present moment with someone uh, which is so beneficial because it really is yeah. i'd say it's meditative in a way having conversations in this way can be meditative in a, in a certain type of practice um and it's funny, last night i had a call on zoom with um ramdas uh or the, the love Serve remember foundation yeah uh, all, all ramdas's people because i've uh, signed up to be uh an ambassador for the love serve remember foundation um so we had like a group call with all these uh, ambassadors that are taking part and the same thing, I, I was super busy, chaotic with work yesterday, just dealing with a bunch of stuff. But once I got on that call and sat down with these people, it was like, ah, you know, like yeah. the fresh air where you can, and, I, and my mind was like, you, you should grab your phone, you should check, you should do that while you're on this yeah. call. But I was like, no, no, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to listen to yeah. each of these people talk. And that's what I'm doing. And it's like, it really is a testament to be here now, you know, which is a book around us as well. So um, yeah. It was kind of ironic when I was having that call with them. I was like, nope, be here, be here now, be here right now with them. And my mind is like, oh, you got to talk to this guy. You have to do this. You have to make this call, <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah. no, right in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I think I remember, you know, I had a conversation about Ram Das because I was going to see him in Maui and, and I managed to see him in December last year. I was so lucky. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Ram Das and the Ram Das, um, the Be Here Now um, community, it's, the love serve remember foundation it's 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 a prime example a really really good example of using old spiritual technology or old spiritual teachings from ramdas and his teacher niam Krali baba and that whole lineage and showing how these teachings are just as relevant today and then the next thing is how a modern generation where we all tech savvy and we've got our phones how modern generation of educated people who are working technology how it's it's not either or we can use all these tools together and ramdas is amazing because you know he would use all these tools and his followers would help him and he would be able to connect his teachings to people all over the world who might not have been able to come and see him physically so i think technology is an absolute gift we just have to learn to work with it rather than become slaves to it. And that's our choice because technology is not pushing itself on us. We are using it we are consuming it and using it. And we have to just be mindful of how we do that. So what you said is it was a wonderful example of, of, of connecting with people worldwide who have a common heart and a common spiritual focus. And I just love that. And I think, yeah, I think the Love Serve Remember Foundation is a, is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's sort of my vision with this podcast as well as to have these conversations with people and eventually at some point i'd like other people to step in and host and have conversations i'm kind of out of the picture in a way people are just always you know communicating with each other and having these wonderful chats and things are getting uploaded and sort of going along in, in that sense almost like a network of a really mindful uh warm-hearted or heart-centered conversations because i think those will be the, those are the way of the future i mean you see large huge podcasts like roman experience or um you know sam harris has a, has a nice podcast called i think it was called waking up for now 
called something else, but for these long form conversations. Um, and I think people really connect with those things. Like I think people listen or watch this and they really sort of connect to what we're saying. It, it sort of inspires them in some way or kindles some, something within them. And then they go out and, and achieve something or create something themselves. So it's almost just like, uh, it's like these conversations help really wake things up creativity up within people so you know it, it works yeah. both ways it's great for us having them and it's great for people listening in uh you know i get the messages people saying they really enjoyed this or they shared that you know it's really cool so yeah all about yeah. the balance <laughs> i mean that the essence is that human beings are social creatures and we need each other and nowadays with the with this terrible pandemic people can't be with each other but they can still be with each other you know we can still connect over long distance because of the of the, the magic of technology. And, and I think, I think that's good. And I think it's wonderful. And we have to realize that the essence of, of, of human connection really is about, is about love. And I think Ram Das is an incredible ambassador of that and an example of that. I mean, in his final days, he was so sick and he was in a wheelchair and he had been for many years, but he just exuded and gave off so much love and so much attention to people if you just spoke to a person for 10 seconds he held their attention and if we can do that with one another on whatsapp calls or these zoom sessions then we are giving one another a chance to shine and to and to basically open our hearts and just just you know help each other and love each other you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah and um just to shift gears a little bit, uh, maybe not so much so, but do you have any other sort of meditation practice you employ other than, you know, being out in nature and grounding in that way? Do you have anything that you do, you know, like a morning routine or a before routine or anything that helps bring you back into, into that sort of uh, mindful resonance or whatever you want to call it? Um, well, I do, I do a prayer when I wake up in the morning and the prayer is, is, is based on the, the Swazi training I did as a Sangoma in South Africa. And it just, it just a, a prayer of gratitude to the rising sun. And it's a bit like, it's a bit like um, the yoga tradition where we do sun salutations and chanting. So I do, I do something like that. And, um, and then I watch the dreams I've had at night. So before I go to sleep, I'll, I will try and do some meditation. And um, so it's just a basic mindfulness Zen meditation. And some days it's hard to meditate because I've got a little young baby, little boy. Um, but I do try most days to do that. And then the next thing is working with dreams. I write my dreams down and mm. dreams are a wonderful way to track, track my life and track my spirit. And, and because I feel if I'm out of alignment, if, if I need to go and do something or I, I'm, I have a warning or there's something that's coming through, um, I'm lucky I will, I will dream about that. So I have to give myself time to listen to my dreams. So I think this is, this is another thing just to mention to the listeners that if you are serious about your spiritual practice, you have to give it space in the same way as if you're serious about exercise, you have to give yourself time to exercise. So we have to give ourselves time to, give, to, to create a bit of space where we can listen to our dreams and listen to our heartbeat and write our dreams down and then just, just, just feel into it a little bit. So that's one of the, another gift of the coronavirus is that it's given people more time and more space to just be with themselves. And 
I think that's 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 a very important thing because as the modern world goes so quickly, we're putting pressure on the natural world, and as we slow down, we have an opportunity to listen to our hearts and listen to our dreams and actually make decisions about where we want to go as individuals, as communities, and you know, as a human race. Yeah, it's a practice I haven't tried writing down my dreams. It might be worth might be worth giving a shot. Um, I know my wife Grace; she likes to write down everything. Of, you know, uh, it's like many, many different books and journals and stuff. Uh, it would be interesting to try that and maybe do some kind of like dream interpretation or dream analysis. How do you go about interpreting your dreams? Is there a process or, or something you use in particular, a book or any reference guide? Yes, well, I think if people are interested in what I'm saying, they could they could get a copy of my book, Leopard Warrior, and or they could also get a copy of my audio teachings, The Way of the Leopard. And in both those products, I talk about the three different levels of dreaming, which I can talk about now. And the first thing is for people to, to just write down whatever you're feeling and seeing from the dream time without any judgment, just write it down and being aware of what senses you're engaging with your dreaming. So are you, are you seeing, are you very visual? And then do you see colors? Do you hear sounds? Do you smell? Are you tactile? Can you feel things with your hands? So how much are all your senses being engaged in the dream time? So that will give some indication on, on, on how deep your dreaming is. And then the next thing is, is to be aware of the different levels of dreaming. So the first level would be when you wake up from the dream and you're aware of, of a dreaming about something which is quite mundane for you. So it would be like going shopping or being on your computer or whatever you're doing during the day is being reflected in your dreaming. So I, I talk about that as the level of the mundane where there's not much of a jolt, there's not much electricity. It's just, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing during the day. And then the second level of dreaming is when you are feeling that you're being triggered a little bit more in terms of your emotional energy. So let's say you have a repetitive dream about exams or about the breakup of an old relationship or something traumatic happened to you and you're reliving it in different forms in the dreaming, then that's engaging what are called the level two, which is the level of the emotions and your psychology. And those dreams are important to write down as well because maybe there's there's maybe you might need some counseling maybe you need to speak to a friend about something or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or maybe you need to forgive someone else so that level of dreaming is important and then the third level of dreaming is really the level of the mystical or the level of what you call the and possibly we talk about mshlope amapupa which means the white dreams those teaching dreams where there's a little voice tapping you on the shoulder or there's something which is guiding you in, a, in, a, in an invisible but very powerful way. And every human being has this capacity to dream at that level, the level of the mystical and the profound. However, because the speed of the modern world is so quick, a lot of people are, are um, that this, this ability to dream in a deep way is becoming atrophied. And so part of my work is really inspiring people to bring their dreams back because as people dream and really connect to their spirit, then they become better human beings and we have an opportunity to help one another. 
in more creative and spiritual ways, but also to help this the plant and animal worlds. Mm -hmm. It seems like most people would be stuck on that first layer, first level of the dream, which is just a whole bunch of you know repeating back what they what they went through in the day or the week. Um, there was a practice I was trying for a while. If I was experiencing that, I would just it would run me through what I've already been through for the day in, in my dream. Uh, so what I was practicing for a bit to get out of that, uh, that um, pattern, I guess, was that I would, through my day before bed, I would go through it like from the from the end of the day back to the beginning and then back through to the end of the day. So it's almost like I would get through my garbage before going into the dream state. That way I'm kind of like done with it and I'm not going to really be thinking about it. So um, I found that worked for me. I'm not sure if anyone's listening to this and want to try that if they find that they get sort of stuck in that you know, that first layer, layer or level, but uh, it, it helps me anyway. Yeah, another thing which is quite helpful is just to get a pen and paper or just get like a little notebook um, and just to jot down your, your to-do list, you know, before you go to bed or there's a lot of things going around your mind, then just, just get your diary out and just write all the things that you have to do the next day or things that are on your mind. And it just, it just bullet points, just a couple of words so when I've done that, or so when I do that, I find it much easier for me just to let go and sleep. And then the next thing to activate the deeper dreaming, the more mystical or profound, would be some kind of mindfulness meditation. I find that really, really helpful for me. And it, it has since, since I started meditating at the age of you know, 18. I've, I've really found that helpful for the dream recall and also for deeper dreaming. Um, so some kind of practice where you are just being quiet and listening to your breath and listening to your heartbeat, even if it's just 15 minutes a day, um, is really helpful for most people, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I can definitely see that. Help, uh, sort of connect them with themselves in a way. Yeah. Hey? It, would, it would help connect them with themselves in a way. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I know you mentioned you had uh, a singing bowl there and uh, I, I would you mind just, uh, just sort of playing it a little bit? For, I, some people are absolutely in love with them. I know um, Grace, she, she has a bunch as well. Um, I've never been able to actually ring it properly when I do it. She does it so beautifully and she like, she's like, no, this is how. And she's just like, Ooh. and then I tried, it's like, it stops ringing. It's like, what am I doing wrong? Um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, really love that stuff. Do you use these type of tools for your, your mindfulness meditation practices to, uh, I'd love to get a big gong personally, like get one of those huge, massive ones that you can just like dong and then it keeps going. Uh, but uh, uh, do you use that tool or anything else? I know you mentioned the drumming as well is, is helpful. Yes, I've got, I've got my Tibetan bowl and I've got sticks and rattles. So just traditional acoustic instruments to bring people more into a sense of the nowness of things. And, is that what it uh, does? Is it, is it kind of takes them out of like uh, a busy mind and then brings them right into that with your, you know, the instrument or the, or the sound, uh, you know, it can just really focus their attention on that? Yeah, I've, I've, as soon as I started meditating years ago, I've always been, I've always been fascinated with simple meditation instruments to bring people into that state of mindfulness. So I remember right from when I started, um, when I was 18, going into Zen meditation in the Japanese tradition and being very taken with the, with the, the, the gongs and the wood instruments for meditation and counting 
counting the chants. And um, and then when I went to South Korea, there was this one one instrument which they used to basically for percussion for chanting, which was very beautiful. So I've always been taken taken by these simple tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to use them more. I, I I haven't really. If I had a gong, I think I would. I think I would gong that thing multiple <laughs> times a day. <laughs> I'd wake up, gong, go to sleep, gong. It would just be, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll actually, I'll let you know if I get one. I'll send some pictures and stuff because it has been on my mind. So this is like a reminder for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure, mm-hmm. sure thing. Yeah. Um, the singing bowl, do you mind just like demonstrating for, for anyone? Uh, I'm not sure if the audio will come through clear. Uh, I think I think it should. I think it should come through. Okay. You hear it now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we can do a meditation together for the listeners. Sure. Let's do it. I will start off with when when I hit the the Tibetan bowl, I encourage the listeners to just close their eyes and just follow the sound as it goes into the wilderness. So I always say, follow the sound as it creates this wave and just follow it as far as it goes. And we do that a few times and you'll find amazing sense of peace and centering starts to happen. So we'll do that together. So we'll sit up straight and just feel your spine. And then here we go. And then next time we do it, I invite everyone to listen to your heartbeat, see if you can feel the pulse, feel the pulse inside of you. So here we go, I did one more time. these ancient practices, whether they're Tibetan or Zen or shamanic, are all about bringing us into this moment, that moment that Ramdas speaks about, which is the be here now moment. And in that moment, or in this moment, when we come into it with a sense of freedom and openness, then we are available to life. We're available to the birds, the plants, everything in this moment. And, and this is where we are being invited into this moment. Now that moment is, I, I feel as though, and I feel you'll confirm, but it, it's nourishment, it's like refreshing. It, it brings you back into something that's grounded in truth and reality. It's not so uh, distracted by, you know, everything that we see in our, in our everyday lives. It, 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 it's sort of outside of time into that is is where you really get uh, uh i don't know you feel alive from the from yeah. those things i don't feel like you know grabbing your phone and being on, on your thing is, is going to keep you uh or is going to bring you to that place you know i find that you know when you do use these devices you're sort of closed off so i liked when you when you when you said that you know really kind of opened you up opened you up to life and um 
you're really making me want to get a gong as I listen to that. To that sound. <laughs> oh, that sounded amazing, but I could, I think of this gong now and it's just going to be like beautiful. Um, so, so that's percussion. You know, that's the beauty of percussion because percussion is all about making these rhythms and it's basically, it's basically um, a reflection of our heartbeats, all percussion is, whether it's the gong or it's the drum or the rattle, all these old percussive instruments are just a reflection of the pulse inside of us. And as we do it in a slow, steady way, then the force inside of us, the natural energy inside of us comes out and then we find a sense of peace and then we spread that peace around us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you, uh, do you, know anyone in your personal like i guess you would know people in your personal life um mostly just yourself that when you're doing these practices or do you have like a partner or a colleague that assists you or an assistant i guess you could say that helps you um you know when you're doing these these group uh i guess now it's on zoom so it would just be yourself um when you're going and seeing people in person do you, do you is it just yourself that's that's doing this Yes, yes. And when I'm doing more ceremonies in South Africa, then I will be connecting with my Sangoma community in South Africa. And that's always lovely, you know, to have another friend who's singing or drumming with you. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. but when I'm on the road or traveling overseas, then 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 I do that on my own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could uh, I can imagine having sort of like a partner um, very familiar with the tradition and everything would, would be really beneficial. Uh, I mean, for you and for, for the group dynamic, the group setting. When is your next um, upcoming? It, would it be a? It's not going to be a retreat because of COVID, but um, is it the on, online gathering you'll be doing next? Yes, and people can look on my website, johnlockley.com, and they can see that I do a, a monthly ceremony or monthly circle via webinar and via Zoom, often at the end of each month, and they can just look on my website for that and. I'm, I'm going to be starting something around about the 18th of, of January, and it's going to be a 21-day shamanism and meditation practice challenge. And uh, everyone's welcome to take part. And it's just by donation, so it's, it's free. And it'll be 30 minutes every day. So 30 minutes every day, I'll be coming at about the same time, maybe 10 a.m., depending on, on what part of the world you're in. So say 10 a.m. Central Time. And... Um, and we'll just, I'm going to be doing some chants and some meditation and working with my instruments. So this Tibetan bowl with my drum, with didgeridoo, some prayers and, and a little bit of teaching about coming into your awareness, coming into your heartbeat. And it's just some way of starting off the new year with something positive and something uplifting. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that will be accessible through your website as well? Yes, through my website, I'll mention it via Instagram. I'll also let you know. And it will be from the 18th of February. I mean, from January, the 18th okay. of January. So, so definitely send it to me as well so I can I can get it out there and, and people can join through that. Um, have you yeah. considered doing it on, on a YouTube live as well with the super chat? Because you can get the donations through that. Um, and even Instagram live, like basically launching all the live streams at once to get out there completely. Uh, have you considered okay. doing that? Yes, yes, I would. You know, I can speak about that afterwards if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just know a lot of people are doing um, YouTube lives now. I'd actually donate quite frequently to people when they do YouTube lives through the super chat there, because um, it goes through Google and it gets to them directly. So it's I don't know, it's a neat way to get support from your community. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you need to maybe afterwards tell me how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a YouTube channel and account, right? Yes. Yeah. So as long as uh, I'm pretty sure you should be able to do live streams with, with the chat. Um, I guess, yeah, I'll send you a link to something and you can we'll check and see if that's available for you. I'm not sure if there's a minimum subscriber amount or something that's required for it. I'm not sure, but um, I've never personally launched a live stream on YouTube. Um, for what you're doing, I can see it being quite beneficial and, and for really kind of with a broader audience, because especially you'll be featured on YouTube live, uh, the section of YouTube, which is for the live streams. We'll get new, you know, new people that, you know, they just kind of stumble across your live stream and then they'll join and they'll be very drawn into what you're doing. So uh, be a good idea anyway. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that, yeah. Adam. Thanks for taking this time today to have this chat and uh, bring your singing bowl and bring everyone in with you on, on that. That was really nice as well. I, I really enjoyed it. It gave me a nice uh, boost and a boost of energy more so than, than you get from like caffeine, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for having this chat and I'll put all your links in the description of this video and uh, I'll be sharing it on uh, all the different social channels and whatnot. And if anyone has any questions for, for John, is, is it fine if they reach out to you directly through DM or anything like that? Um, yes, they could just they could just go via my website, johnlockley.com. So my email would be info at johnlockley.com. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you again uh, for having this chat and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Adam.